Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the 2022 UTH Awards Show, where we have a banquet, give out our hardware for the season. We're through the fantasy playoffs, and payouts are rolling on LeagueSafe or your private platforms. And it's time to take stock of what happened this past year. That means we're turning the page to the offseason. We've got everyone here, Tim Torch, Katie Flower, Jordan McNamara. We're going to go through categories at every position. We've got some final final awards at the end of the show, plus a special announcement to close the show. So we're going to start out here. And a reminder, you can't double up with uh, a player winning two awards. So an overall MVP or anything late in the show, they they cannot make your positional list. So if you don't hear someone that you think is obvious, maybe it's because they are going to be mentioned by that person late, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes after. So let's start the quarterback position. We got Tim Torch up first. And we got quarterback MVP. So this is a broad range of what your definition is. Could be a big riser, value play, something that affected you personally with your results. Start one, super flex, what have you. So where, where do you want to start, Tim? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Jalen Hurts uh, for my quarterback MVP. And um, coming into the season, I, I think I was in a situation where um, Jalen Hurts was, um, he, he, he. it's not that he was bad, but you didn't expect, I wasn't expecting this step. Like you saw so many pieces come together. Um, AJ Brown, as much as he was kind of a whipping boy uh, <laughs> um, as far as health goes or, or previous productivity, um, Devin Smith, we, we weren't exactly sure how, how that pairing would evolve. And they saw Dallas Goddard and, and we were like, can Jalen hurts really fuel this team? And the answer was yes. Um, he, so at 24, um, I'm really interested to see what happens. I don't think he's going anywhere, but is he going to get that monster contract uh, like Kyler Murray? Maybe not a Kyler Murray type of result from it, but um, I, I was just so impressed. Every week I, I just saw a guy who was um, efficiently, effectively delivering the ball and just keeping everything running on time. 10th in passing yards, 13th in air yards. Um, and, uh, he delivered that solid combination of both rushing and passing that you really want from the quarterback position. And I don't see it slowing down. Like there's, there is a world where he still gets better next season. All right, Jordan, you're going with Mr. Jalen hurts or someone new. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jalen hurts. Uh, for a lot of the reasons Tim said the other thing too, I mean, when you look at Mahomes and Allen, depending on the, the scoring pretty close together hurts over them by a little bit over a point, uh, depending on the scoring format. So there is a little bit of an edge there. Uh, they're about equal in warp. Um, and so I think overall, right. Just considering the value that hurts came from, you know, this is one of those things too, where you looked at it early on in the season and it was, or in the off season, it was really a tale of two two cities from last year it was the it was the first half of the year where there was uh there was just this pass happy approach the second half of the season last year was a run-centric approach and we said hey if they go back to being that pass happy team you know Jalen Jalen Hurts 
MVP is absolutely in his range of outcomes. And that's, that's really what came to fruition and ultimately he got hurt and that'll probably hold him back. But um, for fantasy purposes, he's absolutely the MVP for me. All right, Gabby. All right. So first I'd like to just clear the air. Uh, This happens not just in fantasy football, but in the world in general, if you don't like somebody or something that they're doing, or they're not, doing it well enough that you're not sure if they're going to keep the job. You're a hater. It, why is it all or nothing? Like you can like the guy, but just not think that they're going to improve because the odds are it's very difficult at that position. And Tim nailed it. He did improve. And he, I do have Jalen Hurts as my quarterback MVP. I just want to, you guys have done the stats very well. He was QB two, depending on your scoring uh, for the season right behind Mahomes, but he was QB one for weeks 13 through 17 when the fantasy football shit hits the fan and you really need to get those numbers. He performed. So that's my MVP. Wow. I am not going to clean sweep it. Um, I went with a little different in terms of my, my criteria here. Honestly, this player could have been two different categories. He could have been the QB sleeper um, as well. And maybe he will be for uh, one of the three others here, but I'm going to go with Geno Smith. Um, when you talk about where he came from to where he finished, and I think it's going to be an interesting NFL playoffs for Geno Smith sneaking in there as well, but QB5 and adjusted points per game, talk about coming from the ether. I mean, I still remember, Jordan, he was unrostered in our two-quarterback, 40-man roster league, and we picked him up. Like, you look around, and it was in August, and it's like, well, Geno Smith is technically the backup, right? I mean, nobody's talking about this guy before the season, and we're now we're talking QB5, played the whole season, um, and the fact that you can get him off the waiver wire, the fact that now he's looking at one of the most interesting free agency periods for, for Geno Smith of... How much are, you know, Seattle can't let him go. Like, that's hilarious. You know, he's been hanging around for quite some time without really playing. And now we found a hidden gem for our premium format. So coming from QB 50 or 60 or whatever number you're putting on it to QB 5 performance, uh, he's going to get my biggest riser value play and a guy that quickly we started putting in lineups every single week and frankly could have saved you. If you had a Deshaun Watson or anyone else that underperformed, you put Geno Smith in and you're like, well, I kind of got what I was expecting out out from the other guy. All right, uh, QB bust. So opposite criteria: who disappointed, who fall, uh, who fell, or negatively impacted results here. And Jordan gets the clean slate of the entire pool. Russell Wilson. I mean, I, I just can't. I, I, there was so much optimism. There was a lot of excitement about him going into Denver and fell flat on his face. I will say it's gotten to the point where it's probably gone too far, and he'll be a value in the off season. But I. I there's only, I think, two people that could deserve this award, and one of them is Russell Wilson. All right, Tim, you're going to double up, or are you going to name the other person? Uh, I I doubt I'm going to name oh, the sorry. other person. Um, <laughs> I I have no uh, no expectation I'm going to uh, say the other person. Um, for me, it's Trey Lance. It, it's and. I, I remember coming into the season, how excited I was about Trey Lance coming in. And it was a situation where um, he had the keys of the kingdom. I mean, we're seeing Brock Purdy put, put up numbers with this team. Jimmy Garoppolo was functional all season. And I understand it was due to injury and it's hard to call someone a bust because of an injury, but still like everything was in front of him. The things that we saw from Jalen hurts, you, you were hoping to see flashes of from Trey Lance coming into the season. You were hoping to see like those flashes and uh, right off the bat, it, 
it, it was an underwhelming performance to start the season. Then he was injured. And I remember coming into the season, you started seeing Trey Lance like start to hit the first round of startup drafts. You started to see him get into a position where you're like, this guy has to be good to, to, to make the investment worth it. And, um, yeah, I, I'm probably definitely, I, I'm definitely not hitting the other person that Jordan is probably thinking about right now. But for me, just I remember coming into the season and what people were hoping for out of Trey Lance. And now we're moving into an offseason where we're thinking, gosh, what are the 49ers going to do? Because I'm not sure we can still rely on Trey Lance moving forward. And it could be four quarterbacks, right? Uh, they could bring in Tom Brady. There's a little bit of smoke there, but Garoppolo could be back in the starter. You got Brock Purdy, who's playing well, and who knows if he goes on a run. And it's just very ambiguous. Katie, we skipped over you. You, uh, you go next, and I'll, I'll follow up at last here. <laughs> sure, no problem. I'm I'm going with a different one than both of you all, uh, or y'all, as we say down here in the South. But I'm going with Justin Herbert. He finished as QB 16. Uh, averaging 21.4 points per game in the last, you know, four weeks of the season, QB 19. So he got worse instead of getting better when you need him in the fantasy playoffs. He didn't even come through. So uh, high expectations, bad year. Yeah, it seems like Herbert's getting a pass uh, in general. I mean, yeah, Mike Williams missed a little bit of time. Keenan Allen missed a little bit of time. But uh, dynasty, they're they're putting them right back up there, you know, as if as if it never occurred. And and let's see over the course of the next one to two seasons, is that a blip or is that a trend? Um, I'm going to go with a different one. So we're passing it all the way around. Four different <laughs> here. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford. Um, there you I mean, go, Chad. About, way to bring it. Way to bring it, it through for me. <laughs> Clean up the loose ends, Tim. We're doing it. Um, thir- QB 32 and adjusted points per game. So NFL team count 32. Stafford 32. Super Bowl champion. Looking for a repeat. Nothing of the sort. They added Allen Robinson. You get the Sean McVay factor. He played nine games. How about this? Eleven total touchdowns. That's. I mean, that's below Russell Wilson's bathrooms. Like, what are we doing here? Um, You got two total games with multiple passing touchdowns. One game of 275 plus yards. One game of 20 20 plus fantasy points. That's horrific. Horrific stuff. And again, we're talking about they went on a run. Great offense. They put this together. Uh, And now you've got (laughs) who went to Detroit, Jared Goff, being like, Matthew Stafford, yeah, sucks to be you. It is kind of, I mean, it's weird how this season has gone and Matthew Stafford just being uh, the, the, the point man. And now Tron McVeigh might not even be back next year for Stafford, who's already said he's coming back. So big year for the older quarterback uh, to get back on track next year. Katie, lead us off QB sleeper. So this could uh, be coming from deep for any sort of impact. Could be a waiver find. Generally, we're looking for someone the back half of the quarterback position in terms of what their price was in the offseason at a minimum. Okay, so in this offseason, I picked him up round 24, round 24 of a super flex. And you already talked about him, Geno Smith. Uh, He finished QB9, depending on your points, 23 points uh, average, and he just has resurrected himself and the team. Yeah, excellent. And I would imagine, you know, I, I thought Geno Smith, I first had him here. I erased him. I put him up in the other category. I imagine we're going to get at least another vote for Geno Smith because came out of nowhere. Um, I'm going to go Jared Goff. Uh, he was another guy left for dead. Uh, didn't finish quite as well as Geno Smith, but QB 10 in adjusted points per game. And let's remember, it was viewed as the Lions are getting a pick to take on the Jared Goff tra- contract. That's where we were in NFL transactions. And 
He didn't have a great fantasy season in 2021. It was viewed as being on parrowed time for the Lions, but well above average in every adjusted passing category over there at Pro Football Reference, like yards per attempt, net yards per attempt, completion rate, uh, touchdown percentage, interception percentage, sack percentage, rating, everything. And this was without getting much from round one pick Jamison Williams. So uh, DeAndre Swift was pretty underwhelming this year, playing through injuries. And the team uh, was running more than any other NFL team inside the five-yard line to not help him with those short-range touchdown numbers. So it's his third top 12 season, and he was considered a post-year one bust. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. So now there, it's like the Lions got to keep him, right? I mean, it's almost a Geno Smith-like trajectory of the, the team has found something when he was viewed as almost an afterthought from a couple of years ago and, and that big trade. Yeah, I'm I'm going to... Uh, double down on what Katie said um, and it, it's it, it we were at a point where we thought Drew Locke was going to be the start <laughs> the starter in Seattle um, ninth in pass attempts um, eighth in passing yards seventh in air yards and uh, number four in passing touchdowns I I I don't know who who could have called that coming from Geno Smith. Uh, but, but again, um, he, he had two very quality weapons, three, if you count the, uh, unfortunately rotting carps of Noah Fant that's still, <laughs> that's still sitting there in Seattle. But, uh, again, uh, just good on him, um, making the most of an opportunity definitely should be playing himself into a decent contract next year, uh, based off of the 2022 season. And, uh, I hope he does get another shot to keep it rolling. Jordan, keep it under five minutes on Geno Smith. <laughs> Give me Geno Smith. Uh, listen, he slid a little bit down the stretch. I mean, he was the top five, top three PFF grade for a while. Uh, that slid a little bit, uh, but ultimately he's still a top 10 guy. I mean, you just look at how, I mean, he's a top five fantasy scorer this year in terms of total points. Uh, on September 1st, I drafted him at 1410, quarterback 36. It's very difficult to to beat that type of value in a, in a super flex format. So love him as a sleeper this year. Excellent. Uh, I get to lead off running back MVP and I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Jonathan Jacobs. (laughs) And uh, again, he was another one that, Within the prism, it's not like he was running back 70, but he was in the running back 20s uh, for a good chunk of the offseason, left for for dead, and uh, he was viewed as not having a big ceiling <laughs> through three years. <laughs> and the Raiders didn't pick up that fifth-year option. They drafted Zamir White, and the result ended up not missing a game, running back three in total points and points per game, led the NFL in rushing yards by more than 100. He was one of three backs on the year with 1,000-plus rushing yards and 400-plus receiving yards. The others, Christian McCaffrey, which most people would probably guess, and Ramondre Stevenson, who most people maybe wouldn't guess. But Josh Jacobs went to weekly starter to everything was crumbling around him at moments of this season, but he was a plug and play guy that dominated. And if, again, we go back to the off season, there was a lot of hand wringing about how he was going to fritter away. Um, and again, not have upside, but we had a receiving back with upside. They got used a little more, a guy that dominated goal line and had an offense that centered around him. And you got inside the five yard line, you knew he was going to get at least one carry, uh, which was, which is very comforting at the running back position. What are you, Tim? Who is your MVP at this position? Uh, I'll just say one more thing on that. Yeah. You remember when we thought Amir Abdullah was going to be taking targets away from Josh Jacobs? I didn't. I mean, that was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, my, mine's, mine's Austin Eckler. And uh, I, 
Austin Eckler is great, but if you look over the last two seasons prior to 2022, he had 70 receptions and 54, which is more, more than, more than acceptable, more than adequate this year, 107 Antonio Brown (laughs) on, on top of 204 rush attempts. I mean, this, that's just amazing in my mind. Like, like he almost has as many receptions as the top wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, and, and on top of another 204 rush attempts, and that's not even counting like any dead plays that he might have might have been involved in. Yes. Uh, that it's just amazing to me. He's 27, so I feel like people are still going to underrate him, like waiting for the cliff to come. He's definitely still going to be one of those running backs that people are going to kind of have a side eye at. And Chad's favorite word, optimized. Uh, he is an optimized player usually <laughs> week to week and uh he'll get the fantasy points for a while i i'm i'm just was just thoroughly amazed at austin eckler all season peppered the word is peppered if we're playing word association there jordan is it going to be austin eckler josh jacobs oh okay. uh, josh jacobs 1.76 warp which is second best uh 1.55 in super flex which again is second best um I mean, listen, he was coming in the it well out. I mean, there was dynasty rankings from people that called themselves legitimate that didn't have him in the top 20. Shame on you. You screwed it up. I hope you take uh, full accountability of that, which I'm sure won't happen. But you got burned. And, you know, wh- what do we say? Right. What do we say about players? If they show you two different things, right? If they show you the ability to do it as a pass catcher, they show you the ability to do it as a rusher and they've never combined it. That's a really high floor and a very high ceiling combination because you've got multiple outs. And if they ever combine for both, that's the straight flush. So uh, that's Josh Jacobs. And uh, from the the price with which he came and the production with which he was uh, an awesome, awesome season. All right, Katie, finish us out here. My MVP is Mr. Christian McCaffrey, RB2 on the season. And he was RB1 for weeks 13 through 17. He changed teams midseason. Unheard of for him to hit the ground running, so to speak. But fantasy production right there. And he's my MVP for running back. All right, Tim. uh, Turn into pessimism here with running back bust. Who disappointed (sighs) you? Who is your dynasty festivus? You want to complain all about him. And I can't quit him. It's Clyde Edwards Elaire. It is it is like I'm 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 still buying. I, I feel like I'm I'm an idiot. Like people are going to call me an idiot because I, I want to keep buying him coming into the offseason. But it wasn't like he was just passed up by one guy. He was passed up by Isaiah Pacheco, and then he was passed up by Jarek McKinnon, and then he somehow managed to get hurt on top of with limited snaps. I, it, it's just a situation where I'm like could could more go wrong for a person in one season um i really hope this young man gets it together because he still has a profile i love i know i'm still going to be buying into him i'm i I would expect he's probably going to get traded to a different team this offseason just so that that question mark's probably not still sitting there or whatever that contract looks like but ch is is really just like a bust on the season like you saw like right off the bat, he, he was putting up like top five running back type of numbers th- through the first few weeks of the season. And then it just all fell off. And, and it was all there. It was like, everything was right there for the taking the way Jerick McKinnon ended the season was, was the way we should have been seeing CH all season. 
Maybe you can go back to LSU. Maybe you still got a year of eligibility. Uh, Jordan, uh, what do you think about running back bust? DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, we we thought he had running back one in his range of outcomes. We saw what his teammate did in terms of leading the league in, in rushing touchdowns. You know, you would have thought that he could have been a guy that would have been playing more than the running back three level snaps on his team in the second half of a season. If you had told me coming into the season that DeAndre Swift would be playing behind Justin Jackson, yet this team would uh, see a stretch where Jared Goff led the league in EPA per play. As a passer, right? I would have, I would have said, "Give me some of what you're, what you're taking," because I, I need some of that hallucinogen in my life to go on a little Aaron Rodgers trip. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just a total disappointment. 0.55 whip from a uh, warp from a guy who we thought had, uh, you know, two warp in his range of outcomes. I think that's a pretty big disappointment. Maybe based on the expectations for the young running back and uh, just the Jaguars in general. My bust, and it's just for this year. I don't think dynasty wise, but just for this year because that's what this is. Uh, Travis Etienne, he ended up running back twenty four with an average of twelve point two four fantasy points per game, and he was totally unusable in uh, four games. He he more likely would have lost you the week, and then seven single digit games for fantasy production. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to double up on DeAndre Swift. Um, I think even going back, I forgot how the year started. I mean, because in year one, he had 175 total yards, 26 PPR points, and he goes down from there. It's weird to kind of call out a guy that was in the mid to later teens, but we had big time hopes, as Jordan said, and you see his his, uh, running mate, Jamal Williams, go off. And we found out, I I read today, he he was playing through a couple different injuries. Could that be a reason that maybe he gets a little undervalued and, and we buy back in and 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 see how things go next year and it's a it's more of what we expected a post type sleeper if you will so i'm not uh i'm not giving up hope there but his start rate started to slide but there was a lot of games that you put him in you're like you were watching he had three touches in the first half you're like where is this guy and those are killer uh those are killer games uh when you're just not even getting the expected touches or or any sort of efficiency uh with expectation there all right jordan's gonna go with the running back sleeper don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. Shout out to Jamal Williams, who's awesome. That's the sleeper? That's a sleeper. All right. That's a sleeper, everybody. Right, what about you, Katie? I am going with Mr. Jarek McKinnon. You guys just mentioned him. Uh, it, he was RB2 for the weeks 13 through 17, and that's playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just a couple other things on Jarek McKinnon. I thought the way he turned from nothing and maybe a dart throw flex to, well, I have to start him every week, right? And it, it made for some very interesting lineup decisions in the in the postseason for fantasy. Uh, there from week 13 on, he was 12 plus points in every game. He actually outscored in that that zone of time, Austin Eckler. He scored eight touchdowns in six games. I mean, unbelievable stuff. And weeks one through 12, his high water mark was 11 points. So it really was a tale of two thirds of the season and one third of the season where he became electric and you just could not bench him, but he became a dynamo. One of those late season guys that hit the, hit the inside straight. And all of a sudden you had someone that very well could have changed your, your dynasty outcome here. Yeah. I'll triple it up with Jerick McKinnon, uh, 30, 30 years old and still, uh, 
still doing stuff. It, it's pretty amazing to see uh, someone that age still have the Zuzu. Uh, you mentioned what it was money time the um, down the stretch the last five weeks of the season, uh, all 12 plus points. And it's not like he did it on high carries. There was only one game where he had 10 carries. So the rest of it was all done through the air, through the receiving game, uh, an Austin Eckler type of end to a season. Katie gets the full slate here for wide receiver MVP. MVP, I say Justin Jefferson. He was wide receiver one on the year, averaging 22.58 fantasy points per game in standard PPR. And he was also wide receiver one for those important weeks, weeks 13 through 17. I know he put up a dud in 17, but if you were already in the championship, he got you there. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, I mean, he put up 33, 30, and 31. seemed unstoppable in those weeks leading up to the championship. And now, just on the macro, three straight top 10 finishes to begin his career, an elite path for the foreseeable future. Absolute dynasty stud. And you know what? Redraft as well. So can't complain with, with Justin Jefferson and what he gave you this year. Yeah, I'll I'll uh I'll keep it going with uh number uh Justin Jefferson, number three in air yards, uh number one in red zone targets, and uh number one in our hearts for wide receiver. <laughs> well, how about that game also that he literally could not be hurt him and Kirk Cousins could not be stopped late in that game. I can't remember who they were playing. Yeah, Kirk Cousins I think it was the like Bills. A four, it was the like Bills, a, Jordan. Pretty sure. <laughs> pretty like sure. A four, 40 plus point game. Happy, accident. Happy accident. Sorry, Jordan. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'll sweep it. I will say uh, you guys did a good enough job on Jefferson. I don't need to add. I will say that uh, given where his price was coming into the season, uh, there was a really good claim for T- Tyree Kill for this award, but he he kind of faltered down the stretch with the loss of Tua. Uh, but J- Justin Jefferson's the answer for me, although I think uh, Tyree Kill was cl- a, a close... Uh, probably a Tua injury away from being the MVP at wide receiver. Yeah, and you know, we, and another part is Cooper Cup was right there. A lot of people drafted him at wide receiver one, and and you get Jefferson that maintained, you know, and, and when you have some fall around him, it it merely highlights his, his big value. Um, I'm going to start out with wide receiver bust and pairing up with uh, Matthew Stafford. I'm going to go with Allen Robinson. Um, I was not alone, but I was definitely very bullish on Allen Robinson, what he could do with a quote unquote, real quarterback, real offense. And it turned out, you know, maybe he was better off with the bears this year. (laughs) I mean, it really was bad wide receiver 67 or so in adjusted points per game. And he's one of the poster uh, children for the 2022 Rams implosion. Second straight down year, the career arc plunges now. Um, all It was all optimism, wheels up. I, I remember Jordan Rodriguez with the reports, and it was just like big plans for Allen Robinson. And I even heard her on a podcast in the last couple of weeks of talking about what happened with the Rams. And it was offensive line. They, had, they didn't have vertical plans for, for Allen Robinson to get these jump balls like George Pickens style or whatever. He only played 10 games. He had 63 yards as his high watermark, averaging 34 yards per game. I mean, just any way you slice it, you gave up on Allen Robinson in your lineup pretty quickly uh, as the Rams fell down the tubes. And it just it never got off the mat, unfortunately, for Robinson. My wide receiver bust is Debo Samuel. And uh, coming into the season, uh, he was coming off of 120 targets, 77 receptions, a 1,400-yard season. And this year, he was 37th in targets, uh, 95th in air yards. And he wasn't just like overall performance um, on top of having an injury that he dealt with on his own. I remember coming into the season, he had the big contract demands he was looking for. Um, this The 49ers team almost feels like 
it's better if you stay away from like stud contracts and things like that. It, um, it, it's better just to just to kind of have young players who are going out there and doing their thing um, because you do have uh, and just need a, a decent point guard at quarterback. Um, but yeah, Debo Samuel, it's just it wasn't the same performance. He didn't have the rushing work that he had in uh, 2021 uh, and just overall a down performance versus expectations. I expected him to come in and be able to dominate target share, to be a big part of this team, to, to take more coverage off of Brandon Ayuk. But you just, you just, I, I remember the old term like Shanahanigans with running backs uh, back in the day, you never knew who was going to get the ball uh, in the backfield. I feel like it's that way with every position player on the 49ers right now. You never, well, Christian McCaffrey's like always going to be a stud, but everything else is just a question mark. You don't know where it's going to land each week. Um, so I'm up next. Uh, I, I was going to go Allen Robinson, but I think this award actually goes to Elijah Moore. Uh, and when you actually look at where he was, he was a top 25 guy in terms of cost coming into the season at the wide receiver position. He finishes with 5.5 points per game, uh, ranking uh, tied with Jalen Naylor. So if you had Jalen Naylor as the guy there, he was tied with him uh, for 99th overall in points, uh, 5.5 points per game. It fell behind the Denzel Mims line on the which we could call like the Mendoza line of playability at wide the receiver. Line? I yeah, the Mims line. Yeah, the Mims the Mims Doza line at wide receiver. He fell below it for a period of time. So Elijah Moore major bust. I'm gonna go with the clean sweep of not having any repeats. I've got DK Metcalf. And again, it, it's based on expectations. He finished wide receiver 22, average of 13.86 fantasy points per game. He upped it just a little bit for those all important weeks, but still 14.74 points per game is not going to get it cut as it's somebody that you would expect to be dominant. And with Geno Smith and his resurrection, and I know they were a big running team, still he should be the wide receiver one eating. Yeah, uh, I was thinking back, Jordan, when you mentioned Elijah Moore, uh, that uh, that that survival survival rate, right? I mean, mm-hmm. round two didn't get it. Garrett Wilson coming in, looking like he's just taking jobs, mm-hmm. taking jobs, and saying, "Go sit over there." Um, wide receiver sleeper, Tim, lead us off. Yeah, this one might be a bit odd, <laughs> um, which I'm usually known for with some of my picks, but uh, for me, this one is uh, Amari Cooper. And the reason I say sleeper, it's because people, in in my opinion, were counting him out coming into the season. Uh, he was getting a downgrade at quarterback, moving from <laughs> moving from Dak Prescott to Jacoby Brissett to start the season. Um, aging, d- dealing with injuries, uh, going to the Browns, period. Uh, <laughs> anything you could name was pretty much working against this guy. Ending the season, uh, fifth in air yards, 132 targets. I mean, he was their passing offense. He he was just the man, and he didn't get any type of that respect coming into the season. He is just a, a rock-solid gold profile that is still only 28 years old, 29 next year, so some of that erosion is likely still coming. But a full season with Deshaun Watson, hopefully a little bit more support um, opposite coming next season for the Cleveland Browns. If you were able to buy into Amari Cooper before this season and have him as just one of those virus like Jordan and I were able to do in one of our leagues and just literally ride him the entire season, Mm -hmm. it's just such a good buy. And 
I I'm was very happy with him all season. Yeah, good shout out there, Tim. I don't think we started another wide receiver all season. It was start one, and we literally started Amari Cooper, I think, maybe for 17 games. And, of course, his bye, we didn't play him in, but just, just ran him out there. We would have if we could. Yeah, and then just bludgeoned everyone at running back. Just um, an embarrassment of riches there on, on our way to a championship and a nice donation to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Shout out to those guys. Um, my sleeper is going to be another uh, tw- 2017 uh, senior bowl person who we met. Katie uh, had a a bit of a burgeoning relationship with there at the senior bowl. I'm going Amba, Zay Jones. Amba ate a towel. I'm going Zay Jones. Uh, top 10 in terms of expected touchdowns. I actually underperformed that. He's expected for 17, uh, excuse me, 7.8 touchdowns. He scored five, but 82 catches, uh, 800 yards. Uh, he was for periods of time up in the top 24 of scoring uh, he slid a little bit to close out the season i think they disappointed a stretch uh, a bit down the stretch in terms of their offense but uh really good stretch for him and an exciting really great turnaround he's got a, a super rare trajectory in terms of his, his uh, career performance so excited for another uh 2017 senior bowl guy yeah people lost track of him and all of a sudden uh go to uh, for some of those games there with trevor lawrence and i would have taken him jordan but he failed during the uh important weeks 13 through 17. So my guy was somebody you could pick up off the waiver wire in Dynasty and start him in those weeks 13 through 17, Isaiah Hodgins, um, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I got to give the kid a shout out. He was averaging 15.2 fantasy points per game and had some pretty good games in that range. Yeah, it was was Isaiah Hodgins or Richie James or a couple other guys that you just Mm -hmm. kept rolling back to in the final month or so of the season. Uh, if you had any sort of worries at, at wide receiver and looking for streamers, um, I'm going to go with a, a little bit bigger name and a guy that, frankly, I wrote off um, after year one. And I, I think there's some some lesson to be learned. And that's Josh Palmer. Uh, he was invisible as a rookie. Uh, he comes out wide receiver 36 this year in adjusted points per game. And I looked the games that either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams missed. There were 10 of those games. The, so you had clarity. You had more confidence. He was wide receiver 27. So uh, uh, providing some good value, some good clarity there. And I think the lesson is, you know, if you get some decent pedigree or a decent profile, have big patience with with wide receivers attached to quality quarterbacks. And maybe that's going to be a, a, a dip moment here for Sky Moore or someone like that in, in the next year or two. But Josh Palmer, a lot of people, and again, on the bus track post-2021, but here we are talking about him where he's almost an injury away, a dual injury away guy on, on a team. But standalone, he was still a, a decent option this year. All right, uh, Jordan, you are up tight end position for MVP. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of guys I could go with here, but I'm going to go with uh, with Kelsey. Uh, and when you look at Travis Kelsey, you look at some of the format stuff as well, uh, and you just start looking down. You know, in the tight end premium, for example, he was the number one skill position when you when you had two PPR for tight ends, uh, and he was actually would have been the fourth highest scoring player on a per game basis behind Allen, Mahomes, and Hertz. Um, you know, he's just in simple PPR as well. He was more than, uh, he was, uh, more than, uh, five points better than the tight end two in per game scoring. He scores 12 touchdowns, 1300 yards. Uh, and basically he's their wide receiver one in that offense at 33 years old, a dominant player, first ballot hall of famer, Travis Kelsey. All right, Katie. I concur. 
<laughs> All right, noted. Um, I went a little off uh, off the grid from from Kelsey here. I went with George Kittle, um, and I have a couple different reasons for that. Um, he was twenty two points per game in the fantasy playoffs. He had four games of twenty plus points for the season, despite his slow start. He missed a few games. It took him, I think, two or three to get up to speed. There, he didn't really start producing until week six. And I remember discussing in September. You know, especially if you're in a, in a premium format, go after George Kittle. I made a couple of key trades to get him, whether whether it was building for the future, ultimately not making the playoffs, or bolstering a team that ultimately was there at the end this year. Um, and then, you know, after week six, he was tied in two and within three points per game of Kelsey, which still sounds like a bridge that was far to travel, but no one else was remotely close. So he really was over the last ten weeks or so the prominent uh, guy. And again, I, I think uh, you had a four or five six week window of actually being a buy low, and we saw him just dominate like the player he is as that season progressed. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to tra- Travis Kelsey for mine. Tight end two, uh, the the second highest yardage for a tight end this season was over 400 yards away from Travis Kelsey. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's just amazing. He was number one in targets, number one in receptions. Um, not only was he number one in receptions, he was number one by about by 24 receptions and um, tight end, uh, tight end six, depending on your format was Pat Fryermuth. He was over 50 receptions away from him. So it, it wasn't even close. Like, <laughs> and, and I understand what you said about, uh, George, uh, about, uh, George Kittle. And I, I understand your perspective, but holy hell, I mean, this tight end position was just terrible this season. And Travis Kelsey was like, it's the haves and the have nots. And the only person that had was the person who had Travis Kelsey. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and talking about uh, a horrible position, Katie, who are you going to pick as your where, bust? Where the fan did he disappear? Noah Fan, and there's there's no defense for this. He's a very talented athlete, but they didn't use him. He didn't have very many targets, and he didn't maximize those targets whatsoever. He fin- finished as tight end 23, not even that relevant in two tight end uh, and tight end premium, averaged 8.73 points per game. And then, you know, it did go up a little bit during the playoffs, but still not enough. Sorry. I refuse to believe that Kobe Parkinson is actually better at football than Noah Fant. So we will see how this plays out in future years. Um, I'm going to go with, I thought there might be a clean sweep here. So obviously there's not through two, but Kyle Pitts. I mean, talk about the Mount Everest type expectations this year and the price tag attached. And he he played 10 games, thankfully, because you know what? You didn't want to start him anyway, because he averaged 35 yards per game, only two games of more than three catches. And this is on a team with a rookie uh, wide receiver in Drake London. They were functional as a passing game, but you say, where are those targets going? They were not going towards the running back position. And I really think Pitts, he's going to be an interesting test case to see if, if he's playing wide receiver, if that actually hurts him. Because he's not getting the same treatment as a, uh, a legitimate looking like a tight end. And if he's viewed as a wide receiver, I think that probably hurts him long term to maybe reach the ceiling we, uh, we're thinking about here. He was tight end 22 in adjusted points per game. It was a train wreck in redraft. Dynasty, everyone's holding on, you know, that, oh, things will, will, will turn around. But he was unstartable. And I just think that Drake London, with what he did year one, now 
there's competition and more competition for targets in 2023 plus to say if he's playing wide receiver and he's the wide receiver too, what does that look like even with a bounce back? He has to get into the top three, four, five in a hurry, or this is going to be a waiting game in Dynasty and look like a train wreck in retrospect. Uh, for me, it's the entire tight end position other than Travis Kelsey. Ooh, is shots bust. Fired. <laughs> it, it, it is because, and I listed the case for Travis Kelsey. Everyone else was just a disappointment. It's not that Travis Kelsey just slapped. How about Mark Andrews at the end of the year, right? He, mm. It was it was just there's you were just hoping someone could just hold your jock enough to get through the week. And it was rare that anyone did. So yeah, it for me, the entire tight end position other than Travis Kelsey. We're all is running the bus. gassers. You hear that tight ends? <laughs> Tim's blowing that whistle. <laughs> You're running suicides. Who's running suicides for you, Jordan? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Pitts as well. I thought it was a little hard to grade him on the fact that it was an injury. Uh, but when you sort of, when you do step back and look, even when, uh, he was playing, he was basically unusable and coming from the value with which he was, uh, it's a good example of you never, uh, ordain a tight end until they've been tight end one. Right. I mean, that's that's the ultimate lesson of the tight end position in the last 25 years has been that. Right. The guys that do it, do it and they continue to do it and they don't stop doing it for a while uh, because it's an extremely difficult thing to get to. And if you don't get there, don't bet on the person getting there. There's only been nine guys that had have done it this century. And you just see guys like Kittle and, you know, Andrews just put themselves in a different tier. Andrews slid a little bit at the end of this year, but you saw at the beginning of the year, that was true. And I think when people make that argument for a guy like Pitts, it's a, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how hard of an accomplishment that is. Yeah, we've said before, if you don't go early, just go late, right? I mean, right. try to find some value if you can. If Kittle was Kittle like tight end five, or I'm trying to think back in redraft terms. I mean, it seemed like he was still a little bit of a value, uh, but then you just wait all the way pretty much and take a shot. Um, tight end sleeper. Um, I am up and I get to talk about one of my boys. Uh, I've been tracking him pretty closely. And, you know, it's more of a two until this year, it's been pretty much a two tight end sleeper and uh, stash discussion. But Juwan Johnson, uh, he's one of the latest uh, converts there. He finished tight end 15 at a position that Tim dubbed everyone. You, I hate you uh, pretty much. So, but tight end 15, he's on a good track. He's a wide receiver convert. I think he has a little poor man, homeless under the bridge, uh, Darren Waller to him. Uh, he showed a flash or two in 2021, but seven touchdowns this year over the final nine weeks can really help you out if you were doing that streaming life like I was in a number of leagues. Tight end eight in points per game since week seven. That's higher than Cole Komet, higher than Pat Fryermuth, higher than David Njoku and Mark Andrews over that stretch. So he was one that if you had nothing, it's like, that. hey, I got nothing. Who wants to bid nothing? I got nothing. I got nothing. Then you end up with Juwan Johnson. And again, a lot of those were auto start players for other teams that you were ahead of with Juwan Johnson. And I know I was in some spots. He finally came back from injury and you just keep rolling them out because he a good chance to score a touchdown over the last two months yeah i'll um i'll go with Jawan johnson too and it's amazing that the saints had like the sleight of hand going week one because week one it was Taysom hill and then then you see Jawan johnson come on then you see the flash of Taysom hill then you go back to Jawan. you see two catches from adam trauman <laughs> yes <laughs> and then he goes and, away and, it's it's just amazing like Taysom Hill is an enigma to me like the fact that he plays running back tight end sure wide receiver and some quarterback it's just he's everywhere um 
I, I think there was points of the season where Taysom Hill, like up until like the halfway mark or something, he was like tight end two or something like that. And uh, yeah, Juwan Johnson, he was still available on waiver wires on some in some of my leagues. So uh, not only a sleeper, easy to pick up. And um, uh, he had six games over 10 PPR points per game. Uh, again, I'm looking forward to see what he does going into another season and uh, what that looks like for him with hopefully more of a job uh, than he got this year. Uh, I'm going to keep up my trend of quoting, uh, of shouting out 2017 senior bowl guys, Evan Ingram. And uh, this is not OJ Howard for anyone that was thinking that I was going to go that route. It was not OJ Howard. Uh, Evan Ingram. There's only four guys this season that went 70 and 700 at the position. Kelsey, uh, Hawkinson, Andrews, and Ingram. And I think you look, he got as low as tight end 29 on keep trade cut this season. He was uh, well available into the mid to late 20s uh, during startup drafts during the offseason. And what do we say, right? There's there's profiles to bet on that aren't that hard at tight end, right? You pick the guys that have done it. You pick the guys that have done it and now are depressed in price, or you pick the guys that are depressed first round assets, right? The, the patterns aren't that hard to spot. Um, and Evan Ingram's one of those depressed first round value guys that, uh, you know, it was a, you just keep betting on it until he's out, right? It's kind of, that's kind of the thing. And this is what you see. So excited to see where he lands up in free agency. We've got two JJs and one EE, and it's funny because I had it written down as my honor, honorable mention was Evan Ingram, but my sleeper is Juwan Johnson. Excellent. All right, uh, Tim, we got overall MVP. So who did you keep out of the discussion until this point, and who is your overall Dynasty and Fantasy MVP this year? Yeah, I I made this promise after I said he would die. And I'm going to keep bringing him back. Aaron Rodgers is my overall MVP. And (laughs) it's only because I have to. It's only because I said he would die. And he will he will always be my MVP until the probably even the year he retires from the league. Are you an actuarian? I will still bring him up as my as my MVP because he will probably call me out. Um (laughs) <laughs> and say, Tim, I'm still your MVP. Still here. <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers going into his age 40 season next year. Uh, still not dead. So still kicking it. Um, I will say like on a personal note, it is still amazing to watch him play. Um, I've never seen a quarterback. So. Uh, <laughs> just be able to throw the ball so easily uh, be so deadly accurate. Just, I mean, it's, it is truly a blessing to watch him play the game. It is impressive to see. Um, so he is my overall MVP by default until further notice. All right, until he until he dies. <laughs> uh, Jordan, who I'm trying to think now who you who you notably left out so far, but uh, spoils uh, are complete with your overall MVP now. All right, Austin Eckler, and uh, there's been six running backs in NFL history that have had a hundred catches in a season. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's done it twice, Ladainian Tomlinson once, uh, Matt Forte once, Larry Centers once, and Austin Eckler. Austin okay. Eckler is the only one on that list to not be drafted in the NFL draft, so he's the only undrafted running back to ever do that. Wish I was um, playing fantasy when Larry Centers was catching all those balls. Yeah, seriously, he had um, he had a, a, a amazingly low 
production. Uh, it's a fullback. Those. He was a fullback, basically. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty wild. Hundred and uh, hundred and one catches on one hundred nineteen targets. Um, but yeah, I mean, Eckler just just dominant, right? It's uh, it's one point seven five warp. Uh, just an awesome season. Uh, and honestly, it was one of those things where yeah, I attribute a little bit of the Herbert situation to the fact that. There was points of the season in drives where it was very critical uh, for them for the trajectory of their season, where it was literally four guys running a decoy route, and it was like, all right, Eckler, like get open with an A dot of like two, you know, and it was just you just watched it, and it was unbelievable because you knew it go, was coming. Go get it on third still eight, did it. Right. right, he still did it, and uh, and you know, just a just an awesome player. Again, another one where. Uh, last year he was he had paced Jonathan Taylor, uh, and then he missed a COVID game and and fell just off of the per game pace of Jonathan Taylor. Finishes running back two. There were people that didn't put him in a group of people that could finish as the running back one, which was absolutely malpractice. Um, and he deserved to be there. He always has de- deserved to be there because he's capable of a hundred catches and a touchdown a game. Right, that's the profile. So uh, a huge season for him, and congratulations to be the first person to ever do that from the drafted ranks so isaiah spiller not taking his job question yeah, right. mark at this right. point all right uh katie who is your overall mvp all right my overall mvp uh this is in regular start one quarterback as well as in super flex but if you had josh allen uh he was the qb3 on the year and he averaged 30.94 during the regular season He did slack off a little bit, just under 30 points in weeks 13 through 17, but he was top three in scoring in 13 of the 17 weeks. He had a huge game in week 15, 15 divided by five is three, uh, which gives you a boost going into the playoffs and his leadership during DeMar Hamlin. Yes, I've said three a bunch of times because this is for DeMar Hamlin. He brought us together as a nation in prayer and showed us what, what the power is and it didn't matter what color you were, whether you were a guy or a gal, whether you were lefty, righty, whatever politics, everybody was aside. We were united and it was great. And I'm so happy that he's home and, and doing very well. So Josh Allen, you deserve it, man. He won me one of my fantasy championships. So gotta, gotta have him as MVP. It was surreal. Obviously, it was way after the game uh, was actually played this week, but uh, seeing Naheem Hines take it, it reminded me of uh, the Saints, honestly, after mm. Katrina. I remember they had a blocked punt in the first, uh, I think it was a three and out by Atlanta. Steve and Gleason. Just, yeah, and then and you get that punt block and just the place explodes. They probably needed a new roof uh, you know, after that after that play. And and yeah, it felt the way with Naheem Hines. I think it was, uh, yeah, that was the Romo, the Romo game, right? Nance and Romo. And it was just like, can you believe this? You know, Can mm. you believe what we just saw where uh, returns are being taken out of the game, but Naheem Hines was like, I got to take two. It's like uh, that Seinfeld episode when he had to get uh, Paul O'Neill <laughs> to hit two home runs. He's like, two? He's like, well, two's better than one. So Naheem Hines was like, not just one to the house. I got to take two to the house. And frankly, that's why the Bills got him. You know, more special teams than anything else. So that was awesome by uh, Naheem Hines and just the start of that game as well. Um, I'm going to finish it out. I saved Travis Kelsey. Um, and when you talk about the the difference over the field, uh, you know, Tim, Tim banished everybody. And I think that's pretty appropriate at tight end when, you know, he was 19 points per game uh, in stock scoring and tight end two is barely 13. I mean, that's basically a win over replacement. And the replacement was everybody else. <laughs> everybody else in your entire league <laughs> was a replacement uh, with, with that uh, combo there. Nine top 12 seasons in 10 years. 
Uh, he's been tied in one or tied in two in adjusted points per game in seven straight seasons. So death taxes and Travis Kelsey being dominant until further notice, as Jordan said, you know, one of the rules of tight end, just, you know, take, hit the easy button. It's just that easy. Um, and, and frankly, Travis Kelsey going into the year, during the year, and now coming out of the year, just the easy button. And for anybody in dynasty, like if you go into a startup or whatever, and all of a sudden you're, he's trading for like tight end four or five or something because he's quote unquote old. Just you know, just print print that money and, and take him because he could be the next. I mean, he could be Jason Witten plus plus over the next two three years because uh, it's just again death taxes and Travis Kelsey come get me uh, basically. All right, uh, we've got the I will always love you award. So this is a a fun one, a player that you are going to stand by uh, the career arc, whether it goes well goes poorly uh, to date. Into the future, you will always remember him. You will always love him through thick and thin. And Jordan, you get to proclaim your love uh, to start. Honorary mention to King George, George Kittle, for what he did down the stretch. Awesome uh, after a rough start. But I don't even play IDP, but uh, DeMar Hamlin, your uh, the, the I Will Always Love You award. I have to say, in terms of the uh, emotional events that I've ever seen in a sporting event, uh, this ranks in the top four. I think there's only four that I can remember that have done this in my lifetime. The NFL after 9-11, the, um, the night that bin Laden was killed, the Sunday night baseball game, uh, the Steve Gleason punt block uh, when the first came back from Katrina and the Naheem Hines uh, kick return for a touchdown. So um, I echo all the stuff that Katie said as well. Excellent. Uh, Katie, who is your I will always love you in 2022? Well, Jordan's been alluding to this all night long, that 2017 Senior Bowl, and uh, I love him. I've met him. I interviewed him, and then a couple months after the NFL draft at a fantasy football convention, he was up on stage, and I was in the front row, and I was yelling, Jamal Williams! (laughs) Jamal Williams! And Ronald Jones was there thinking he was all full of himself. Patrick Mahomes was there, and he was great, but Jamal Williams had this big grin on his face, and then I went up and talked to him after, and he remembered me. We had a great chat. I will always love him. He had a horrible, horrible uh, playoff fantasy run-wise, but he broke a record. He's funny. He's real, uh, and he's a great teammate. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with another you know, long-standing name that we have discussed, uh, Latavius Murray. Um, I, I had a number of guys over the years that I looked back fondly, just seeing my list, guys like Mike Evans or Brandon Cooks. Uh, I think Devontae Adams was on there too. But, I mean, he is the standard, in my opinion, for NFL starter, turned long-term injury away guy, and now high upside still this year, spot starter. 10 NFL seasons coming from round six. And he was a smaller college player in terms of pedigree. He played 13 games this season on two different teams, seven games of 15 plus touches at 32 years old. I mean, he's venturing into baby Frank Gorish territory in terms of he should not be doing what he's doing at this age where running backs are usually two years into the retirement barn. He had 500 plus rushing yards again for the eighth straight season, six total teams over that stretch. And I was looking here. He's 38th in rushing yards since 2000. 38th. No one thinks of Latavius Murray that way. And he's second of all day three running backs over that span. We've got uh, Michael Turner, number one, Murray, number two, and Alfred Morris, number three. So I hope he comes back in 2023, crashes the depth chart yet again. We get some spot starts from him. He says, go sit over there for a young player, any young player of note. They're all young compared to him. And Latavius, I will always love you. 
Yeah, wrapping up, I'll, I'll go with Saquon Barkley. And it after dealing with two seasons of of injury and um does he does he have it? Is he ever going to come back to that rookie season? Um putting up the season he did this year and then not only putting up a solid season, but if you from week 12 to week 17, he only had two weeks of under 15 points. I mean, going the season he had this year, considering he was working with Daniel Jones and absolutely nothing on the outside was Herculean. In in my opinion, when, when Brian Dable gets this team figured out a little bit more, uh, hopefully a new quarterback in, some better skill position uh, players at <clears throat> wide receiver. Um, I, I I think truly the sky's the limit. We we haven't seen the upside. I still remember taking Saquon Barkley in a startup draft at 103 uh, when he wasn't even drafted yet. And that was just how much faith I had in that young man to be like the man. And I I'm thrilled. He got back to form this year. I'm thrilled and excited. And I can't wait to see what the rest of his career has in store for him. Excellent. Um, we have one final, uh, one final, uh, category or, or section here of the show. And that's a special UTH announcement. Um, so Katie, if you would like to, to share, and then I will expound upon it, but, uh, this has been something that's been in the works for just a little bit. So this is, this is planned and, uh, and Katie, uh, let us all in on what the, the secret, not secret, but, uh, the, the major announcement and and the, the shift that will be happening going forward. Well, uh, I am going to be retiring as a co-host of Under the Helmet. I've been at it since 2015. I have absolutely loved it. And my best UTH moment or memory was that 2017 Senior Bowl. It was the first time. And when we went up in the press box and we were just inches away from Mike Mayock and and, uh, the camera crew and everything, and we had our own Reese's football that was stuffed with peanut butter. I mean, that was just awesome. Our name tags, it was it was very, very surreal for a kid from a small town in Vermont to be at it, you know, just rubbing elbows. It, it just felt really fun. And um, I've had a really great time through the years. I'm just traveling so much with work. I'm living with my boyfriend. I want to be with him when I'm home. I want when I'm on the road, it's just become more and more of a stressor. I don't get to watch the games as much as I want to on Sunday. I'm still going to play and I'll still pop in as a guest. I'm still going to be watching my Saturday college football and uh, I'll still be the diva of Debbie and I'll be back for some Debbie shows and such. But uh, it's been a pleasure, really so much fun working with both Tim and Jordan as, uh, you know, sidekicks. I've learned a lot from all of you and I've just really enjoyed it. And thank you to the listeners for all the years. Yeah, it was amazing looking at the tally and I, you know, you were on more than half the shows, you know, since the existence and that's, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of commitment and just on a weekly basis saying, I will be there. You know, the number of times we've said, make it happen, whether it's recording at a a strange time, a strange day, um, in person over zoom. Uh, we probably did a couple that were over phone at some point in time (laughs) from a car driving to airports. And, and honestly, like the, I will say this, the self accountability of you know, this year, this season, for myself included, but for Katie to to basically say, you know, I don't feel like I'm I'm giving it as much as I gave it before. Just from a how does it fit within my life, I thought was was just such an honorable thing. 
um, and, and such a refreshing thing that a lot of people would not have said that or would not have made that uh, declaration again behind the scenes. And you know, we've been discussing it for a little bit now. And uh, again, Katie, I mean, just all the memories of, of Senior Bowl stuff, but just the weekly shows. And, and we go through the machinations and the ups and downs of the NFL, the draft, and you know, uh, talking about our format, talking about our leagues. And and that was one of the things that. You know, we, we have been talking about it. Are we, you know, what leagues are we going to keep playing together? Um, and I, I, I always come back to, I can't remember if it's from a show or a movie, but they say it's not goodbye. You know, it's see you later. And and the thing that's going to change, and the thing I say to you know all three, all three of you, with Tim and Jordan included, is it's a way to stay together. That if you were not in a league with somebody and you did not record something with them. I do think it's very difficult to say every week, we're going to really talk. We're going to talk about, you know, whether it's pressing record or it's the five minutes beforehand, whatever, you're checking in. And Katie, I'm going to miss the check-in because this means we are not formally on a, on a Tuesday or another day going to check in weekly. Again, it's not goodbye. You, you'll still be, you know, we'll do stuff. But what it does mean is it's, it's see you later, and later is probably not next Tuesday. So that that is very sad. Um, but really, I still remember that you provided so much stability at a point of under the helmet where stability was needed. And frankly, you were a rock. And and it was never about excuses. It was always about when can we do it? When can we do this? And and being excited for shows and kicking off, you know, draft season or doing things at certain points of the calendar. It was like when I was down or I needed energy, you were there to pick it up. And it was always that that basketball analogy of, you know, pass, 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 and someone's gonna lay it up. So I just again, I and what's funny is since you told me and and kind of planning for the future, I still don't really have an answer. You know, that that and, and that's okay. I, I realized over the last few weeks, I don't need to have a starting in mid-January, you know, Katie's vacancy is filled and you know, high confidence in what's going on. I don't need to know those answers, frankly. And 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 I think it's tough to know that. So just know that you're leaving a big hole. You're going to greatly be missed. And I know from the super fans and the premium shows that we recorded, I still remember each of us would just watch, you know, what did you watch in college that day? We did that for like a year or two. And just that type of discussion was so valuable to subscribers, to sharing between us. And uh, again, just Everything I've learned and get to observe, and when we come together doing a Debbie draft or rookie draft, and I know those things aren't ending, but those stories and and that journey we would take together is just you know some of the highlights, and that's why you co-own with people. And I'll say, and and so co-owning and co-podcasting and co-hosting and all that stuff, just know you will be missed, and I know you're going to a a, a place of you know you're you're happy, you know in your in your your. I don't even call it your social life, your your family life. You know, the happiest I've ever seen you has been the last few months slash year. And to see that, I mean, just to know that your time and energy and attention and love basically are going to another place um, it has been really cool to see you because I've seen you in low spots, medium spots, and now high spots. And I always like to think of myself this way, but you really are someone that even if you're not going to win in the middle, you win in the end. And so I really think that you're 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 doing the right thing in terms of prioritizing that this is not the most important thing. We're we're talking about dynasty and fantasy and it's I, I, again not goodbye, see you soon, but just know that every week for that many years is such a testament to uh commitment and 
not viewing it as optional to to not succeed and not put forth your best effort. So thank you so much for for all of that. And just know that there is no plan. <laughs> there is no plan for next Tuesday because how can you have a plan when someone since 2015 has been the plan? So that's just really, really tough. And uh, yeah, um, so that's the thing, again, we've been sitting on and, you know, so Katie, we've been planning this and, and uh, again, just know you will be missed. I will get plenty of emails as people listen to this show, just, uh, you know, that it's a gut punch. But again, you're welcome. Whenever you have something to say, I would love to hear it. and I would love to press record because that's what some of the things that we do best. Well, um, thank so, you. <laughs> I, and I do want to, uh, so again, for, for Tim Torch, Jordan McNamara, myself, Chad Parsons, and for the last time on a weekly basis, but not the last time ever, for Katie Flower, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. Deuce f***ing bond. <laughs>